Numbers chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. The word of God says, In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived to the desert of Zin, stayed there in Hadesh. Then Miriam died and was buried. I want you to look at verse 2. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we have died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring us, Moses? Look at this. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt in this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. There's no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take your staff and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. I want you to speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. That's why I feel like talking to you guys sometimes. Like, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? And Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy holy in the sight of all the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give you. How one moment, one moment changed everything. For the worst. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. I ask that you speak to us this morning and let your presence be here for those who are here listening online. Father, open our hearts and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of from moment to movement. Because I believe here this morning there's a lot of you that need a movement of God. A movement is when God is clearly working, when God is opening doors, when God is expressing His blessing upon your life in an evident way. That's what it means to have a movement from God. See, when I read this story, I realized, though, you could either have a movement from God in your life right now, or you've just settled to have a moment with God. And there's a big difference between a moment and a movement. But when I read about this in Moses, I realized that Moses was at his breaking point. How many of you guys have ever reached a point at your breaking point? Come on, show me your hands if you have a breaking point today. Don't act all holy this morning. Moses was at his breaking point. See, Moses for 40 years was gathering these people that had been wandering the desert, going in circles. All he heard was complaining after everything he's done for them. He's fed them. He's provided for them. He's guided them the whole time. But now the people are so focused on what they don't have. We don't have this and we don't have that and we want this and why can't we have this? And Moses, why? And why, Moses? And why? Moses, why? 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 Moses, Moses, Moses. Hey, Moses, we want Moses. And Moses was like, enough! Breaking point. Because the people were complaining. The people were frustrated. The people didn't know that. They were just there. They were about to make it. But they were all so caught up in what they did not have that they failed to trust God. But see, that's not where I want to go this morning. Moses, the Bible says that Moses, he reached a breaking point because the people were opposing him. The, the word oppose means to come against. This is the idea of an enemy coming against you. I wonder this morning, what is it in your life that's opposing you? Who is it in your life that's in direct opposition towards you? 
See, all of us can understand to opposition. And all of us can understand when things come against us. And Moses, he realized that the people weren't acting right. How many of you agree that people in your life won't always act right? Won't always act according to the way you want them? See, it doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life you're coming from. All of us have an area in your life where opposition is there. It doesn't matter whether you're a spouse. There's a lot of marriages today with opposition. There's, it doesn't matter if you're a parent. There's a lot of parents with opposition with their children right now. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. There's a lot of pastors with opposition in their life. It doesn't matter if you're an employee. There's a lot of people with opposition at work. Opposition is everywhere because people won't always do things according to your desires. So whether you're a parent, a spouse, in ministry, an employee, whoever you are, opposition will always be there because like Moses, there will always be people that want something from you. It's that simple. They want something from you. Your spouse wants something from you, doesn't get it opposition. Your kids want something from you. You say no. Go to your room. Opposition. Your boss, your co-workers, customers, they want something from you. They don't get it. There comes the opposition. So Moses, he was guiding them. He was loving on them. He was providing for them. He was doing everything for them. But the minute the second, the millisecond, they did not get what they wanted from Moses. They quickly opposed him. That's where the stress is. Because, hey, where are you to say thank you? Where are you to say, hey, I appreciate you, Moses? Moses, thanks for that dividing sea thing. That was pretty awesome. Thanks for the manna, Moses. That was pretty cool. Thanks for helping us all these years. Thanks for being there. Hey, Moses, thanks for getting in the way when God wanted to kill me. You remember that, Moses? Thank you. None of that is recorded in the Bible. You know what stresses people out? When you feel like you're just taking advantage of. Where people just want from you and want from you. And then if you don't measure up to what they want, opposition. I read this and I said, Moses, I get you. I would have been in my breaking point too. If you would have been like, Pastor David, why? 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 Pastor David, we need this. We don't have this. We don't have this. I would have beat you with my staff too. But see, Moses, he reached a breaking point. You know, a, a breaking point happens when there's tension. There first has to be tension. But then when the tension increases, it creates more pressure. And when that pressure is beyond what you can handle, you break. All of us, I believe, have a breaking point. All of us have, you know, there, there's some of us that have are more spiritual than others, so your breaking point's a little bit more durable, I can say. But everyone has a point that maybe right now, your life is tense, and there's tension all around you. Maybe you're at a point in your life that that tension is putting a lot of pressure on you. But there comes a point that and if you don't find a way to get rid of this pressure, alleviate the pressure, that pressure is going to be more than you can bear and you're going to break or we call snap. How many have ever snapped before? Not me, I'm holy. God forbid. You know when you snap, you do the wrong thing, you say the wrong things, you just act out in ways you normally would not act? How, why is it that people snap? Because they ignored the pressure. And the pressure had a warning sign, the tension. But see, if you allow tension for so long, it builds up pressure, and eventually the pressure is going to cause you to snap. That's all that happened to Moses. Moses was going through normal tension, a desert tension. 
Then Moses had all this pressure from the people. But Moses allowed the pressure of people to get him a snap. See, one of my, my favorite things in life is fishing. And when, when I'm setting up my rod, based on what kind of fish I want and all that, I, I put this fishing line. But see, in the package, it says 40 pounds. This is what's called the test line. The test line is how much tension it could have before it snaps. So it's warning me, hey, 40 pounds, bro, that's my limit. Anything past that, I'm going to snap. And I love how they call it a test line. Because it's been tested. See, I wonder right now, how many of you are being tested? And I'm not talking about by God. I wonder how many of you are getting tested by people. They're just pushing that little button of yours. You're like, oh, the test line. You're being tested. With your kids. Because kids want to know how far they can get. And you're tense with them now. You're tense about what they're going to do with their lives, who they're going to marry, where they're going to go to school, how they're going to afford this, and they want that. And what are they doing? What are they up there? I got to check their Facebook. I got to check this and the Instagram. Oh my gosh, tension. There's tension in your marriage with your spouse, there's financial tension, there's tension at work. See, everywhere you look, you're being tested. It's so bad in Miami when you drive. It's a test. You're being tested. Some of you are being tested on the way here on Sundays. Sunday is the one day your kids turn to demons. And they don't want to get up. And it's the one day the worst driver that can drive is right in front of you. And you're all snapping while worship is on. And you get to church and you got to just pretend that their life is not tense. All of us at some point are getting tested. I don't know in what area or at what extent you're getting tested, but I want to warn you right now. You're being tested, but you have a pressure point. And you better watch out what happens when the test line snaps. And this is what happened to Moses. I love Moses though. Because Moses, he's going through a lot of tension. He's overwhelmed with pressure. His test line is at the verge. If I hear one more why. If one more person complains, God, I'm going to snap. And then Moses says, you know what, Aaron? We got to go. Where are we going? We got to go to the tent. We got to get our prayer on. We got to do some worshiping. I just need me some God right now. I love Moses. Moses didn't act out on his snap. Why? Because you don't have to either. Moses didn't go on a Twitter rampage. Moses didn't do any of that. Moses just said... I need my moment with God. So he didn't talk back to people. He didn't snap at people. He didn't even talk to anyone. He he heard Moses. Why? Going to God. And he's at the tent. And he's on his knees. He's on his face. He's like, God, I love you. God, you're amazing. God, help me. Lord, give me strength. And the glory of God was there. You know why? Because no matter how tensed you are, God will be with you. God will be there. <laughs> Don't clap yet. Got you. I got you. You're like, oh, I love this message. No, you don't. I'm not done yet. Moses goes and he has this amazing moment with God. 
You ever had an awesome moment with God? You know, you know, for me, an awesome moment with God, I wake up at 5.30, I go to the gym, have a great workout, come back home, coffee's done by mom, it's awesome. I get my coffee, I go to my room, it's quiet, my cats, they're all like cute, and I'm just reading my Bible, I'm praying, and I'm like, man, what a, whew, what a moment with God. When I feel like God is just speaking and showing and, and I'm praying, I'm worried. I'm like, man, what an awesome... You ever had those moments? Do you miss those moments with God? That's what Moses had. But that's the problem. You say, wait, Pastor, wait a minute. Why is that a problem? I want a moment with God. No, you don't. Here's a problem with Moments. They don't last. That's the problem with Moses. Moses, now let's agree with me here after I finish this. Moses, did he not have a moment with God? Yes. He went to his little churchy tent. He started praying, worshiping the glory of God. Whoa, this is awesome, Aaron. Let's go and worship. God is here. And God's talking to him. Moses, grab your staff. Moses, do this. Moses, I'm going to provide water. Moses, I got you. Oh, God, this is awesome. He leaves his tent. Whoa, like you leave forward. What a service today. Wow, that was awesome. Frankie, fire. Great song. I loved it. Pastor David beat me spiritually. I needed that. Wow. Who look at this smile. I love God. Church was so awesome. And then you get home. And your moment is gone. Some of you are so spiritual, your moment lasts till Monday. God bless you. That's why I'm saying I don't want a moment with Jesus. I don't. Because Moses, he has his moment with God. In verse 6, awesome moment. But read it, verse 10 through 11. By the time, how many verses is that? Come on, just a few verses after. He comes out of his little holy church tent revival with God in this amazing moment. But then he goes and he curses everyone now. You rebels! You want water, huh? Yeah, here's your water! And he goes from spiritual to emotional. And I wonder, I said, wait a minute, Moses, what happened in the tent? Ah, that was just a moment. Because some of us, if we're honest today in church, we've gotten comfortable with just our moments with God. There's a moment of spiritual me. See, when I'm spiritual, because we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell inside of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here's what doesn't happen. The flesh doesn't say, okay, I guess I got to go. Here's my suitcase. I'm out. Spirit and flesh come to live together as roommates that don't get along. See, when you're spiritual, you act and make choices that are based on what honors God, not your feelings. But when you're in the flesh, you act and make choices based on what you feel emotionally, even if it doesn't honor God. I wonder who woke up today, the spirit of the flesh in you. Picture this. You're getting inside a car. But with you is flesh and spirit. And you're going on this road trip called life. And spirit says, hey, I'll drive. All right, spirit, you drive. I'll just sit in the you know, passenger seat. Spirit's driving. Has life a femme on. I love this song. It's about me. Driving. Someone caught some up. <laughs> it's okay. Crazy drivers. Isn't that crazy? We got to pray for him. He's putting on the blinker. You know your car has this thing called a blinker? It's crazy. It works. You just don't do it. 
He hits the blinker. He drives all night. Spirit is awesome. And then flesh is in the back seat. Let me drive. Let me drive. I want to drive. I want to drive. Spirit, you drive too slow. It's the speed limit. And if we go one mile over, we've missed the mark. That's called sin, flesh. Calm down. Let me drive. But you're on the passenger side and you say, you know, spirit, it's true. You're taking too long. I'm going to let, you know, let's pull over. Hey, hey, flesh, jump in up here. Come on, flesh, come on. And flesh comes in. Oh, finally. And he's putting on the worst music. Yeah, yeah. This is better, right? And he's cursing people out. And yeah, yeah. And he's all crazy. And spirit's like, oh, my. Spirit never leaves the car because you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but flesh never leaves the car either. So now you're going everywhere. Life is crazy. And guess what? You're in the passenger seat going, ah, we're going to die. You know why you're freaking out in life? Because you're letting flesh drive you. You want more peace in your life? Say, Spirit, Spirit, oh, Spirit, here you go, Spirit. Take it, Jesus, here. And now you're in the back seat, passenger seat, saying, now I can relax. But you just look at the rearview mirror and there's flesh looking at you. Let me drive. Come on. How do you know what I'm talking about? Who drove this morning? Spirit or flesh? Who's going to drive after church? Who's going to drive tomorrow at work? What's driving you? Are you being driven by the Spirit? Are you being driven by the flesh? You know what the problem is? None of them get off the car. Only you give them the the wheel. See, Moses, spiritual in that tent. Verse 6, spiritual. Say it with me. Spiritual. Awesome. Verse 10, 11, comes back. Flesh. Emotion. So some of us, the reason our lives are so much disorder is because we go from spiritual to emotional, spiritual to emotional, spiritual to flesh. Flesh controls my emotions. And no matter what happens, I'm going to choose whether I'm going to be in the spirit or in the flesh. But it's just hard, pastor, because the spirit, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's kindness, there's goodness, there's faithfulness. But man, this flesh, when it kicks in, there's anger, there's rage. There's jealousy. And there's all kinds of emotions. So what do I do? Realize your flesh is going nowhere. And neither is the Holy Spirit of God in you. So what you have to learn is how to surrender that steering wheel to God. Because like Moses, I believe there's a lot of us here in church that we are emotionally driven. And we're making bad decisions and being bad examples and worse, destroying ourselves and our full potential in Jesus because we're allowing our emotional state to drive us. So I pray and say, Lord, why did Moses just turn like this? Why did Moses go from a spiritual moment with you in the tent, verse 6, to losing and snapping and being a bad example, verse 10 and 11? What happened? Simple. Moses just had a moment with God. Not a movement. See, a moment is described, is defined as a brief time. But a movement is defined as change, development, growth. 
Do you think that Jesus died Christ to have a moment of your time? Or do you think that Jesus hung on that cross and died for your sins to have a movement in your life? There's a, I don't know about you, but I read this and Lord, forgive me for being okay and satisfied with moments with you. I don't want a moment with God and God doesn't want a moment with me. I want God to move in my life. I want to change. I want to grow. I want to develop to move in my life in such a way that it matters and it's shown and it transforms me and any place I'm planted. But see what happens today is today in our sick little Western church society, we're happy with moments with Jesus. That's what all the church is about now. Let's just have a moment, an hour of good song, maybe a good teaching and fellowship, and you're off to your week. Go ahead. It's no wonder people are stuck in sin, stuck in having no purpose, and are lifeless without joy, because you have limited God to just a moment when God is all about a movement. What are you doing today? to say, God, I need a movement from you. I'm tired of going forward and having a moment with you. I'm tired of Bible study having a moment with you. I'm tired of listening to a song, listening to a podcast, opening up my Bible for a devotional for a few minutes and having just a moment because it's not working. Why? Because God is not about moments. He's all about movements. What do you have? See, Moses had a moment with God. Great. That was an awesome tent service. Woo! But what good was it, Moses? Because by the time you left the tent, you snapped. And it made a bad testimony of God and yourself. What good is it to have a great moment with Jesus this morning if come Monday you're going to snap and lose it and be a bad example to the world, your kids, your family, and whoever else has the pleasure of watching you? You want a moment with God? Repent of that. The Sermon on the Mount. That's why you had a crowd of people And that's Jesus preaching. Who can preach better than Jesus? No one. Not even Billy. Come on. Oh, Billy Graham has nothing on Jesus. David, Pastor Dave, nothing on Jesus. Jesus is preaching. Not just that. Jesus is doing miracles. He's raining down fish and bread and everyone's eating and seeing God and his power and his glory. So on top of that, you have miracles and an amazing message. You think, man, that's a recipe for revival. And you know what blows my mind? The end of that passage, after the bread and the fish and all these great amazing sermons by Jesus himself, the Bible says, and they went home. They went home to do what? Work? Have babies? And talk about, wow, what a moment. Hey, that was cool when Jesus and the fish, right? Hey, that was a great mess. Hey, that thing he said about murder and adultery, woo, touched me. Touched me. But they just went back home. And what happened after, Pastor? I don't know. Nothing? Does it feel like God has become nothing in your life? Hey, you're in church. That's great. You have a great moment with Jesus now. You have an awesome church. Pretty good pastor, I think. I don't know. And you're listening to the word of God. Maybe this week you had a great devotional time. Great time of prayer. You have these moments with Jesus. But does it feel like it's just that, a moment, and it's just, okay, now what? Peter, 
When Jesus came into his life and said, hey, drop your nets, let's go. And he dropped everything and he followed. We preach on that. Yeah, Peter just dropped it all. And he went and he gave it all to Jesus. And he changed the world, world, world. Yeah. Listen, that's not the first time Peter met Jesus. One chapter before this passage, you read that Jesus is in his mother-in-law's home. And Peter witnessed this amazing miracle. And did Peter drop everything and follow Jesus then? No. Why? Just a moment. Just a moment. Maybe he was mad and said, man, why'd you bring my mother-in-law back? Come on. And Peter is on the boat with Jesus. And Jesus is preaching a sermon. Did Peter get up and say, hey, I believe. I'll follow you. Here it is. I surrender. No. It was just a moment. Sermon. Great word. What changed Peter's life? When Jesus looked at him and said, hey, let's go deeper. Because God wants to go deeper with you than just a moment. And when Peter goes out and he sees this amazing miracle, he's filled, the Bible says, with awe. Because God has just moved in his life. And that movement caused him to change the course of his life forever. Because a moment won't change anything. But a movement will change everything. And it depends what is it that you want this morning. Do you want a moment with Jesus this morning so you can go quick to lunch? Take your little nap? And do your little routine? Just so you can say church was nice today. Or do you say, God, I need you to move already. I'm tired of moments. You know what the problem is? You guys ready for this? The portion of the sermon that all my sensitive people can leave now. All right. I warn you. You know what the problem is? Hey, what's the problem? You think you have a movement. But you don't. I, see, we've limited God to just a moment. See, I saw Dumbo yesterday. Oh, gosh. If you grew up in the 80s, you know. In that movie, I felt like I could fly. I have big ears. I was like, Whoa. And I was moved by, I was like, man, I was moved by that movie. Guess what? I wasn't moved. Why? Because I didn't join the circus. I didn't buy an elephant. I thought I was moved by the moment, but you know what I was moved by? A moment, two hours with Dumbo. And some of you, you have Dumbo as Jesus right now. Sundays is your moment to be moved, but you're confused and you're deceived into thinking you have a movement of God in your life when reality you've just settled to having moments with God. And that's why nothing for you works. So I want to help you. Because I want to give you quickly three signs that God is just a moment for you. Could you handle this? Because after these signs, you're going to say, Oh my Jesus, oh gosh, I am in trouble. I have moments with you, God. Ready? Hit your neighbor and say, Hey, get ready. Move your neighbor. We're talking about moving, right? Move them. Get ready. It's going to hurt. First sign that God is just a moment and not a movement in your life. Verse 9 and 11. Oh, Moses. God said to Moses, Moses, take thy staff. Because God speaks in King James. Moses took the what? Staff. Verse 11. Moses raised his arm with the staff 
struck the rock, disobeyed God. Did he have the staff? Did he obey God at that moment? Oh yeah. What did God say? Take the staff. Oh, I could do that. Here's my little staff. All right, now go out and speak to the rock. Got you. What's that called? Partial obedience. Partial obedience is when you don't fully commit to obeying God. You just commit partially. It's that simple. You're selective in what areas of your life you want to be obedient to God in. But if there's a certain area you don't like and doesn't fit you, you will not do it. You cannot say there's a movement of God in your life if you're comfortable with partial obedience. You're saying, well, I'll obey here and I'll commit here I'll do this but I won't forgive I'll do that but I won't tithe today I'll do this but I'm not going to gather with the brethren even though God tells me to because I'm mad at them right now I'm going to do this and that but I won't do this and that God I'll pick up the staff because that's easy I can do it you know that's not that bad but you know the speaking to the rock i rather hit it And God didn't say, well, Moses, at least you picked up the staff. God said, Moses, you disobeyed. If you have a problem with partial obedience with God, God is not a movement in your life. Because when God moves you, you do your best to your ability to please Him in all areas when it is time. But you don't just say, I don't feel like forgiving today, God. Help me with this. No! I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like serving. I don't feel... I, God never asked you which portion of Scripture you agree with and want to do. You do it all. Moses struggled with partial obedience. If Moses was in the church today, we would applaud him. Moses! Wow, making progress. Yeah, that little strikey, strikey, nah, not good. But hey, there's grace, buddy. At least you made progress. You picked up the staff. You know what? I'm going to put you in our ministry team. But God said, Moses, that's disobedience. Partial obedience, number one. Two, 2 Corinthians 3.13 talks about Moses. We're not like Moses. This is in the end of his life. So we know it matches with this story. In the end of Moses' life, we're not like Moses who will put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. There were times in Moses' life, he was on the mountaintop. The glory of God was just so vivid in his life that as he came down, he was glowing. Not like pregnant glowing, like for real glowing. But there came a point in Moses' life where he noticed one day, he said, man, this glow is gone. I wonder if you're losing the glow you used to have for Jesus. So Moses said, you know what? I got to cover up. Because if people really knew that I'm not as spiritual as I was before, If people knew that I'm not praying or reading my Bible like I used to, if people know that my relationship with Jesus is struggling right now and it's not working, I can't have people know that. God forbid. So I'm going to cover because a veil was always a symbol of deceit. That's why Leah put a veil on to deceive Jacob into marrying her. So some of you, you're deceiving others by thinking, hey, I just have to convince them that I'm spiritual. Worship time. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, I have my Bible. How are you, sister? 
How are you, brother? Wow, look at you. You're looking so spiritual. Look, she's so spiritual. He's so godly. <laughs> if you only knew. Who am I preaching to? If you only knew. So Moses lived the rest of his life covering the truth. God, I'm not glowing like I used to. But I don't want people to know. I have to convince them. So Moses, he opened up an Instagram account, opened up the Bible, highlighted it, put a nice little cup of coffee, and said, moments with Jesus, morning, hallelujah. And I started talking like a Christian. I started walk. Christians have a walk, you know. They started walking. I just got to convince everyone. See, here's the problem, Moses. You know God is not a movement, but a moment. When you're more concerned about your spiritual appearance to others than your spiritual condition with God. You're so worried about people finding out that when you read the Bible, you think it's boring. You have such a struggle saying, man, if people only knew waking up to go to church was not my first desire. If people really knew that me and God right now, it's not the same as I used. You know what? It's not about what people think about your spiritual condition. It's about what God thinks. If Moses would have said, Lord, here's the truth. And this is what the Bible says. I love it. It's not been removed because only Christ can take it away. Rather than putting on this facade that you're spiritual, you're strong, why don't you go to Christ and say, Lord, it's not real. I'm struggling. Lord, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like worship. It doesn't move me anymore. Lord, I love Pastor David. He's amazing. I love that guy. I love how he prayed. But Lord, it just doesn't move me like it used to. What's wrong with me? Be honest with God. Because when you tell God, I'm having moments without these movements with you, the first thing God's not going to say is, you are? You mean all this time you've been lying? And you've been faking it? And the second thing God's not going to say is, you're disgusting, get away from me, how dare you? Tell me I don't move you anymore. I think God is more honored by people that are honest with him and say, Lord, I've limited you to a moment and not a movement, and I need help. So if there's partial obedience and loss of passion while you're still doing the Christian things, you are at a place in your life where you only have moments with God. And the last one's a tough one. You're not going to like it. I think this one is the one I'm going to get emails about. I won't read them, <laughs> but I'll get them. Three. And we'll finish with this. You ready? You're immature. You're immature. Why? Because a movement is defined as progress and growth. And if God is just a moment, you're able to see it because there's no true growth in your life lately. There's no progression. There's no development. And there's a lack of growth. You see, i got to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? When I read this story, the flesh was driving and I said, God, it's your fault. I blame God. Can you believe I blame God for Moses' mistake? You know why? Because I said, God, if you didn't tell him to pick up that staff in the first place, he would not have hit the rock. So God, technically, your fault. Because if God would have said, Moses, I know you, I'm omniscient, I know what's ahead, leave the staff there. Moses would never 
have disobeyed. So I said, God, it's your fault. See, some of you, you want to blame God for your sin. You want to blame God for your shortcomings. You want to blame God for that little flesh of yours that's driving. Because God told him, get the staff. And I asked myself, why did God tell Moses to get the staff? For the same reason God put the forbidden tree in the garden. The free will to choose. See, God's not going to make the conditions 100% so perfect, it's impossible for you to sin. Because then you really don't love God. Then you really aren't choosing to serve God. Billy Graham said it best. Billy Graham says, we cannot take credit for resisting temptation if temptation was never placed before us. See, some of us, you're so immature, you need the right environment to honor God. That's when you know you have a moment with God. I'll have a moment with you, but if conditions aren't right, I'm going to sin. I'm going to fall. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to disobey. But when God is a movement, no matter what's tossed in front of you, you honor Him. That's how you know. Because let me just be frank with you. If you think that God's going to make environment so pleasing that you have to, Please him. It's impossible. Because let me explain. I'm going to blow your mind right now. You ready? Was the garden not perfect and sinless before the fall of man? And did man still not sin and choose wrong? There you go. Stop thinking, if I change my environment, I'll please God. You know why? Because you can change all the environments you want, but the flesh is still going to say, let me drive. Let me drive. Come on. But when God is a movement, you say, I don't care where I am. I don't care what's thrown in front of me. I'm so moved by God that I'm going to do my best to honor Him. See, immature people need conditions to be right to please God. Mature, Christ-following, developing, spiritual, God-fearing people. Say, God, no matter what's in front of me, I'll honor you. That's why Joseph was in Egypt, ungodly place. But Joseph had such a movement of God in his life, not a moment, such a movement that when the first desperate housewife of the Bible came, you know, and that cougar took her claws out and she wanted a piece of Joseph, he said, how can I do this to God? He didn't say, well, God, if you didn't want me to do it, you would not put me in this bedroom with this naked woman by myself. And he ran because when God is the movement, you have this desire to run and resist and refuse the sin that's before you. When God is a movement in your life, it doesn't matter how annoying and rude someone is. You love them because you're moved by God too. It doesn't matter how life is not going your way and it's unfair. You're so moved by God, you still honor Him. It doesn't matter what sin the devil throws at you. You're so moved by God, it honors Him. Daniel was in Babylon, a completely ungodly pagan city. And even then, he had a movement of God that said, I don't care what Congress passes. I don't care what all what president we have. I don't care what this government says. I'm going to serve God. Because God is a movement. But see, when God is just the moment, then the moment sin is in front of you. 
give in. You get it now? Because God will move in the life of a person that is moved by Him. Let's pray. Will today be another moment Will today be just another sermon, just another song, just another Sunday at my church? Or will this be the moment that turns to a movement because God has just opened your heart to realize I don't move you like I used to. And I see the veil. But thank God he says, we're not like Moses. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to deceive. You have Jesus Christ to run to. Are you struggling with partial obedience? Because God's a moment. Have you lost your glow? Your passion? You can remember a time, said God, it felt like I was on the mountaintop, but now I'm in the valley, and it takes a lot out of me to worship and even read scripture down. And are you immature? Have you limited your obedience to God on the right conditions? But you're saying, hey, I know me. And if day comes that I'm in this situation, I know the flesh is going to drive. And God doesn't move you. And Moses missed out on his full potential and promise. Because he limited God to just a moment in a tent with you. But the second I left that tent... And life got real. My emotions got the best of me. But when it comes time to it, Lord, if it's time to go back to the tent to worship and sing and listen to a podcast or a sermon or whatever, I'll do it. What good is that if it's just a moment? Are you tired of just having moments with God? Don't you want God to turn your moments to a movement that causes you to change the direction of your life, that causes people to look at you with envy over the favor of God in your life, that causes the miracles to be displayed, that you can see the work of God's glory in your home and your family and in your life don't you want God to move you beyond just this building don't you want God to move you behind just a sermon and it's time for you to say God we need a movement not a moment with you you don't want a moment of my time you want a movement in my life I don't want a church that has moments with God I want a church that is known for a movement where lives are saved and addiction is falling and people are being restored and marriages are healed and kids are coming back to the Lord. I want to see God move not only in this place but tomorrow as you continue your life. I want God to wake up with you and moving you. Repent of moments. Don't let the word moment ever come out of your mouth in relation to Jesus. Don't you ever pray, Lord, I just want a moment with you. Because God is going to say, I don't. Father, break our hearts. Spend a moment of silence with God. You know God is a moment right now if you're thinking of lunch. If you're thinking, oh, this is taking too long. You've just proved my point. Can we unveil ourselves today as a church? I want you to be like this man up here. I didn't even ask anyone yet. And he's at the altar on his knees. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. I don't have to move you. God does. I want you to say, God, I'm here. 
But I'm tired of moments. Let's all stand. And if you're here today, I want to see this altar flooded with people that say, God, I need a movement. I need you to move in my kids, my home, my marriage, my house. I need to see the miracle that you are, God. I'm tired of moments and moments and moments. I just need one movement of God. If you're unveiling yourself saying, God, the glow is gone. It's not what it used to be, Lord. But I need you and I'm coming back in repentance. If you're here today and you want to see a movement of God in this church and you believe in the vision of this church, you come forward right now because I want to pray for our church too that God begins to move and we stop with these little moments right now this is a time that you say God I need you move in me move in my family move in my life but I'm tired of moments You get alone with God, unveil. I dare you to unveil yourself before God. I challenge you to open up to God and say, I don't like you anymore. I don't feel you anymore. I'm not moved by you anymore. Some of you are so cold in your heart and so hardened in your heart that God himself can physically appear and you still think about work and all the other things you have in your life. But God no longer excites you. God no longer moves you. And if you're okay with that, God is not okay with it. Let me pray for you right now. If there are people in your life, you're saying, God, you need to move in this person's life. Their hearts are hard and their hearts are stone. You just ask God to move. He will. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we have not because we ask not. So Lord, with humility and fear, I ask you for a movement in our church. I don't want a moment with you anymore. I don't want a moment of worship. I don't want a moment of preaching. I don't want a moment of Sunday. I want to see a movement. I want to see chains breaking, lives changing, family and hope restored. Father, for all those that are here today, and you're just a moment. Lord, forgive them. Renew them. Help them to fall in love with you, Jesus, again. Let it be that everything they do revolves around a movement that you're doing in them. Forgive us for partial obedience, for deceit of passion. And for immaturity thinking. And Father, move again in this place. I pray for those that aren't even here today listening to this message because they're no longer moved by you. I pray for every wayward child that's gone from the church, every spouse that wants nothing to do with the Lord. For every lost friend we have, Lord, I pray that you would intervene, cause a movement in their life that stirs them back to your presence, and forgive us for our moments with you. Let this not be another Sunday, but a day that we mark the beginning of our movement and transformation with you. In Jesus' name, give him a shout of praise. You're here today. Amen. And amen. God bless you. I hope you guys were moved, honestly moved by this message today. And that it's not just a moment. 
And if you need to, download this message online. Give it to someone. Re-listen to it. Because I believe that the devil is mad. Because you know the devil is just satisfied with moments. He's not scared with a Christian that has moments with God. He is fearful of a believer who has a movement of God in their life. So I thank you for being here today. Don't turn this into a moment, but let it be a movement.